Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. It's good for us to be together to worship God and to study from his word. Especially, it's good to be back home again after being away last weekend. We had a gospel meeting in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we took a couple of days of vacation. I appreciate the shepherds for allowing us to do those things. But we're so grateful to be here back with our church family where we belong at Monta Vista. And we look forward to our time studying and worshiping together today. I want to ask you to get your Bible out, please, and make your way to what I hope is going to be familiar territory this week in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And as we read this chapter this week in our Bible reading, we're going to find the Apostle Paul transitioning. He's going to transition here in the book. He's going to talk about another problem in this church. In chapter 11, if you remember, he talked about the problems they had with the Lord's Supper and how they were not taking the Lord's Supper properly. And in beginning in chapter 12 and going in 12, 13, and 14, that's a unit in the book. Paul's going to talk about spiritual gifts. He's going to talk about miraculous spiritual gifts. And in this time, in the time of the first century, the Christians had the ability to perform miraculous gifts. Now, that period has ceased. They no longer exist in the church, the miraculous gifts. And Paul's going to talk about that in chapter 13. But at this time, they did exist. And Christians were doing miraculous things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 12 and verse 4, Paul's going to talk about this as we start with verse number 4. And Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effective of miracles, and to, the another, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. One in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized in the one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the, one, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each of them in the body, just as he has desired. As you take a moment or two to process and ponder on those verses, I want to begin this morning by asking a question, and my question is, what are we? What are we? What are we as the people of God? How does the Bible describe our relationship? Well, many of you know that the Bible describes our relationship in a variety of different ways. For example, there are places in the Bible where our relationship is described as a family. It's described as the family of God or the household of God. In other places, our relationship is described as a priesthood and as a kingdom, and as a temple of God, and as we learned a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 15, 
Our relationship is even described as branches that are connected to the true vine, who is Jesus Christ. And then here, in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the Apostle Paul uses another metaphor to describe our relationship when he refers to us, when he refers to us as a body. He calls us a body, the Lord's body, the body of Christ. How often do you think about that? How often do you think about our relationship in that way? How often do you come into this place on a Sunday morning and you just look around the room, you look at all these people and you say to yourself, this right here, this is a body. This is a spiritual body. This right here, this is the body of Christ. I submit that there is a reason why the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to refer to us as a body. I submit that through this metaphor, being a body, there are some things that God is trying to teach us and show us and help us really understand about the kind of relationship he wants us to have. For example, as we study this week, as we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the Lord's body this week, one of the things we're going to learn about the Lord's body is as part of the Lord's body, that means that we all have a role. We all have a role. We all have a function. I mean, isn't that exactly the way it works with the physical body? Isn't that exactly the way it works when it comes to the members of your physical body and the things you do with your physical body all the time? I mean, think about it. Think about what happened when you just came to church this morning. For those of you who drove to church this morning, for those of you who are actually behind the wheel of the car, did you pause for a moment or two this morning as you were doing that and just think about what all of the various members of your body were doing for you in that moment. As you think about the various roles that the members of your body perform so you could get here safely. Did you consider how without your eyes doing what they were supposed to do, you wouldn't have got here this morning. Without your eyes doing what they were supposed to do, you would have run off the road or, or hit some other cars and probably killed some people. And without your hands, you couldn't properly use the steering wheel or use your signals. And without your feet, you couldn't operate the gas pedal or the brakes. Or without your fingers, you couldn't turn to your favorite radio station. Or without your brain, you couldn't process any information about how to use a car and then signal that information to the other members of your body. So many members of your body were working for you this morning as you drove here to this church building. And so many members of your body are doing stuff for you right now. I mean, even right now, in this place, at this moment, so many members of your body are doing things to benefit you. Your eyes are doing something for you right now. Your eyes are looking at me. And your eyes are looking at these slides. And your eyes are looking down at your Bible. Your ears are listening to me. And they're listening to the preaching of the gospel and your hands are, are turning to scriptures and maybe they're jotting down some notes and, and your back is being used for you to sit up straight and your fingers are being used for some of you to type in scriptures on your iPhone or your iPad. And for some of you, your voices are going to be used to say amen at various parts of the sermon. I really like that. And we're all using our brains right now to process information and interpret information and to communicate that information to other members of our bodies so they can do the things we want them to do. 
You see, even right now in this place, the members of your body are doing so many different things. They're doing so many things that will benefit you in your worship to God and in your study of the Bible. And the Apostle Paul says that same principle, it, it, that's also how it works with the spiritual body. That's also how it works when it comes to the body of Christ. Going back to the text, I want you to notice how in the verse we just read for, read from, as the Apostle Paul talks to the Corinthians about the Lord's body, he describes it as being similar to the physical body. He says like the physical body is made up of many different members, and all those members have various roles to perform. That's the way it also works when it comes to this body. That's the way it works when it comes to the body of Christ. That's what Paul means in verse 18. When he says, but now God has placed the members and we are the members as Christians. And he says, God has placed the members, each one of them in the body. That's the body of Christ, just as he has desired. Paul offers a similar thought in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. Go in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, Paul will use this same metaphor in Romans 12 in verse number four. In Romans 12 in verse four, Paul says, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberal, liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice how like Paul does in 1 Corinthians 12, here, Paul says that like the physical body is comprised of many members and that all those members have the same function. That's the way it works when it comes to the Lord's body. That's the way it works when it comes to the, to the body of Christ. You see, the body of Christ is made up of many different members. And those members represent individual Christians, individual disciples, Individual saints of God and those individual saints have been given various roles and, and functions and, and works to do. Paul actually lists, lists some of those roles and, and functions here in, in Romans 12. And he also did that back in 1 Corinthians 12. But it's interesting here how in Romans 12, out of all of the works and functions that Paul lists there in those verses we read, only one of them is miraculous. Did you notice that? Only one of those works is miraculous, and it's the gift of prophecy. Being able to speak direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. The rest of that stuff in Romans 12, that's stuff that can be done today. That's stuff we can do in the body of Christ even today. In fact, Peter puts it this way. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, please. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and as we look at verse number 10, I'm going to 1 Peter Chapter 4, and in verse number 10, Peter says this, as each one, and when Peter says each one there, he's talking about each member of the body, each Christian, each disciple, as each one has received a special gift, notice, implore it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one is, who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So like Paul does, here Peter offers a similar thought. 
Paul says we have different roles, different functions, different works in the body. And Peter says we have gifts. It's the same idea. We have been given a role, a function, a gift to serve God and to serve other people in the body of Christ. Peter says that's true of me. And that's also true of you. And so my question is, what is it for you? What is it for you? What is your role? What is your function? What is the blessing or the gift that God has given you to serve in the body of Christ? Someone says, well, Sean, I, I don't have one. Someone says, I don't have a gift. I don't have a work, a function, a role in the body of Christ. Someone says, I'm too young to have that stuff. I haven't been a Christian long enough to have that stuff. My health is too bad right now to have that stuff. I'm too old. I, I didn't grow up in the church like the vast majority of people in this room. Someone says maybe for a variety of different reasons, I don't have a function. I don't have a role. I don't have a gift in the body of Christ. Maybe there's somebody here or some people here who are thinking that right now. And if you are, I want to say something to you respectfully and in love. You're wrong. You're just wrong about that. You're dead wrong about that. And the reason why you're wrong about that is not because I say so. It's not because I say so. No, it's because God said so. It's because Peter says so. It's because Peter says so in these verses we just read. Contrary to what you may believe or someone else might believe, the Bible says no matter who you are, no matter how old or young you may be, no matter even what your health is right now, you have a gift. You have a gift. You have an ability. You have a work of ministry that God has given you to perform. And it's up to you to discover what that is and embrace what that is and use whatever that is to the glory of God. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. And to deny that is to deny the clear teaching of Scripture. It's to deny a promise that comes from God himself. And so again, I'm going to ask you, and I'm asking every one of us this morning, what is it? What's your role? What's your function? What's your talent or ability or work of service that God has given you in the body? Is it teaching? Is it public teaching? Is it private teaching? Is it the ability to be good with people? And to be a great encourager of people? Is it the ability to be an extraordinary giver? Because maybe God has blessed you with great financial prosperity. Is the ability to be qualified as a leader? As a shepherd? A pastor? A deacon? Is it the ability to maybe lead singing? Or to be effective with personal evangelism. Or maybe you are someone here this morning who's endured a terrible period of suffering and a ter terrible period of trials. And through those experiences, God has uniquely qualified you to be able to help other people who start going through those same kinds of problems. There are a lot of examples we could give when it comes to this, but the, but the point is the same. The point is, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter if you were raised in the church or not, what your age is, what your gender is, what your background may be, if you're a Christian, you're part of the body. 
You're part of the Lord's body and you got a role. You got to function. You got to work that God has given you to do. In fact, you need to understand that the work God has given you, the gift, the role, the function God has given you, well, it's, it's important. It's very important. Every member's work in the body is important. Isn't that what Paul is teaching us? Going back to chapter 12, again, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, Paul says, For the body is not one member, but, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he has desired. Look at verse 19. If they were all one member, what would the body be? You wouldn't have a body. But now there are many members for one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, as much it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. They're necessary. What's Paul saying there? Paul's saying what our point is. Every member of the body is important. Every member. Every member of the physical body is important. Every member of the physical body has a role. It has a function that is important. Our eyes. Our eyes have, a, have an important role in function. Our ears have an important role in function. Our heart, our kidneys, our gallbladder, our spleen, our liver, our stomach, even our pinky fingers and our pinky toes, all of these things have important roles and functions. They all have roles and functions that are critically important to helping our bodies be everything they're supposed to be. And Paul says that same principle is true when it comes to this body. When it comes to the body of Christ, you see, just as the physical body is made up of many different members and those members don't have the same roles and functions, but they're all important. That's the way it works when it comes to this body, the Lord's body, the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says that when it comes to the Lord's body, all the roles and all the functions are important. But let's just be honest about it. So often we struggle with this, don't we? Oh, yes, we struggle with this. We struggle with understanding this. We struggle with accepting this. At times, we actually do the opposite of what the Apostle Paul says, and we elevate certain members of the body, and we view others as not really that important. Someone says, when do we do that? Well, we do that often when it comes to this right here. When it comes to the pulpit. When it comes to public preaching and public teaching, when it comes to being a shepherd or an elder or a pastor, and even so often we do this when it comes to doing things like, like leading singing. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful as members of the body, we can start viewing public roles in the body as more important than the other members of the body. In fact, I've even encountered people in my ministry who sometimes refuse to join themselves to a larger congregation, maybe a congregation of 200, 300, or 400 people because they say, I can't place membership at that kind of church because it's no work for me to do there. 
I can't place membership in a large church. Not a church of 200, 300 people. There's not enough work for me to do there. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that, and you know what they mean when they really say that, don't you? When people say there's no work for me to do in a large church, they don't mean that there's really no work for them to do. That, they mean there's no public work for them to do. There's no work in front of the curtain for them to do. They can't leave singing every single month. They can't give a sermon every other month or do the invitation every month or preside over the Lord's table every month or say a, a public prayer every month. They, they, they mean I can't do things in front of the curtain as much as I want to do. They have neglected to realize that there's more work that needs to be done in a church than those kinds of things. I mean, yes, we need people who can preach. No doubt about that. We need preachers. And we need teachers. And we need people who can lead singing. And we need people who can do public prayers and preside over the Lord's table and be shepherds and pastors. But you know what else we also need? We also need people who can write cards behind the scenes encouraging the sick and the grieving. And we also need people who are willing to vacuum the building and scrub the toilets and take out the trash and, and bless us with a clean place to come here and worship God. And we also need people who are willing to encourage the new converts. We got a lot of new converts right now. We need people who will behind the scenes encourage these new converts and offer to study with them privately and help them grow in their service to God. And we also need people who behind the scenes will encourage the widows and our young people here and the elderly people among us and people who will aggressively go after those who have left the family of Jesus. You see, while these works I'm describing are not done in front of the curtain, they're done behind the scenes. They're done in the background. Even though that's what these kind of works are, I submit that they are critically important. They are critically important to the body. They're critically important to helping the body build up and be edified and be healthy like God wants it to be. I'm gonna tell y'all something. I don't have a clue of what my spleen looks like. Now I know what my eyes look like, and I know what my hands look like, and I know what my ears and my nose look like. I see those things all the time. I don't know what my spleen looks like, but just because I don't know what it looks like, just because I can't see what it's doing, that doesn't mean it's not doing something important, right? That doesn't mean it's not doing something that's necessary and vital to helping my body be what it needs to be. Paul is saying that every member's role and function in the body is important. And one of the reasons why it's important is because it impacts other Christians. It impacts other members of the body. When you go back to 1 Corinthians 12 again, look at verse number 26. In verse 26, Paul goes on to say this about the body when he says... If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Notice how Paul says that as members of the body, of the Lord's body, the church, we're connected to each other. You see that? We're connected to each other. 
we impact each other. When we as members don't do what we're supposed to do in the body, the entire body suffers. Now, that's the way it works when it comes to the physical body. Some of you know that firsthand, but that's also the way it works when it comes to the spiritual body. When it comes to the Lord's body, which is the church, when we don't do our part as members of it. When we don't fulfill our function, when we don't perform our role, when we sit on the sidelines, when we're lazy and apathetic and full of excuses, and maybe we, we take our frustrations with other members of the body out on Jesus and we don't do what we're supposed to do. Maybe we get mad at other people in the church and we say, well, I'm going to roll my, my arms up and I'm not going to do anything. Well, when we have that kind of attitude, not only are we hurting ourselves and we're hurting our own relationship with God, we're hurting the body. We're hurting the whole body. You know why we're hurting the body? We're hurting the body because some gift that God has given us is not being exercised at its highest level. Some gift that God has given us is not being utilized. It's not being used for his glory. It's not being performed in the way that God wants it to be performed when he even placed it in the body. You see, what I do as a member of the body, it impacts you. It impacts you. Well, I don't use my gift properly. That impacts you. That causes the body to suffer. And the same is true with you when you don't do what God wants you to do with the gift he's given you, whatever that is. Well, you just don't suffer. We, we all suffer. We all suffer because God has placed the members in the body where he wants them to go and has given them things he wants them to do. In fact, maybe we need to close with this. Maybe we need to close by mentioning how in addition to emphasizing that the spiritual body is made up of many different members, and those members don't all have the same function, but they're all important. Another thing Paul emphasizes is the body is one. And we really need to talk about that. There is one body, not many different bodies. And did you catch that when we read the verses we've read this morning? Look back, please, if you don't mind, just chapter 12, and then I'm going to take you to Romans 12 after this. But in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, listen to what Paul is saying. We don't need to miss this. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, for even as the body is one, it's one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit, notice, we were all baptized into one body. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Verse 20, but now there are many members, but one body. Verse 27, now you are Christ's body, singular, and individually members of it. Now, look back at Romans 12 again. I, I, I told you we were going to go back there, and I just don't want us to miss this in Romans 12. Where in Romans 12 and verse 4, again, Romans 12 and verse 4, Paul says, For just we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. There it is again, one body. One more place. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about the body, and he tells us what it is. And why this is so important to us. 
In Ephesians 1 and verse 22, in Ephesians 1 and verse 22, Paul says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him, talking about Jesus, as head over all things to the church. The church, the people of God. Verse 23, which is his, his body. The church is the Lord's body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. In chapter 4, in verse number 4, Paul, as Paul talks about the things that should unite us as the people of God, he says in Ephesians 4 and verse 4, there is there's one body. And remember, the body is the church. So there's one body and one spirit, just you were called, and one hope of your calling. You see it over and over again. I think if, if, if God is saying this to us over and over again, he really wants us to get this. He really wants us to get this. The common thread that weaves this way through all those verses is the fact that there's only one body. There's only one spiritual body. There's only one body of Christ or one church that belongs to Christ. There is no many different religious bodies being promoted in the Bible. There are no many different denominations like we see in our world today being promoted in the, in the Bible. There aren't no many different kinds of churches or many different kinds of spiritual bodies. This kind of body, that kind of body, X, Y, and Z kind of body. You don't find that being promoted in the Bible. You see, in the Bible, there's only one spiritual body that God approves of. And that's the body of his son. That's the body of Christ. That's the church that belongs to Christ. The church of Christ. The church that has Jesus as the head and individual Christians as the members. That's what Paul says over and over again. And I submit that that should impact us in three ways. First, first, what Paul teaches here should compel us to always make sure we're submitting to the head. Jesus is the head. And we should always be doing our best to submit to the head. We should always make the head the priority. We should always make sure we're doing what the head has told us to do because the head controls the body. The head is what it's all about. The head is who is in charge. And so what Paul says here should compel us to make sure that we're always submitting to the head. And it should also compel us to be humble. We got to be humble. We got to view every member of the body as important. We got to view every function of the body as important. Every role in the body as important. We must never compete with other members of the body. We must never be envious because we don't have a certain gift that another member in the body has. We got to make sure that we're always humble, that we always understand that God has placed the members of the body where he wants them to be. And so we got to be humble. And then thirdly, we got to just do our part. We got to do our part, whatever that is. We got to embrace that. We got to fulfill our, our function, fulfill our role. We got to make sure that we don't mistreat the head for not doing what he's told us to do. We got to do our part. Now, we're going to read a whole lot more concerning this matter this week in our Bible reading. 
But for now, I just want you to take this away. I want you to take away that while in the Bible, we are referred to as a kingdom. And we're referred to as a priesthood and as a family and even as branches connected to a true vine. We're also a body. We're a body. And so please challenge yourself to see that all the time. See that in, in your worship today. See that as you come into this building on Sundays and Wednesdays. See that even when you're looking through your church directory. This is a body. It's the Lord's body. And the question is, are you part of the Lord's body? If you're not part of the Lord's body, you can become part of that body today. In fact, you can become part of that body the same way people in the first century did. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13? In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, Paul said this, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. That's how you get into the body. Being baptized into the body. And over a period of 10 days here at Monta Vista, we've had six people, six, who've accepted that invitation. Who believed in Jesus Christ and repented of their sins and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and placed in the body. Six people. To God be the glory for that. And maybe there's someone here this morning who wants to also be in the body. Maybe you want to be baptized into the body. We'll baptize you for forgiveness of sins. Or maybe you are in the body, but you haven't been living the way the Lord wants you to live, and you need to repent. Whatever spiritual needs you may have this morning, come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing.